Dominus Fobiscum. Lectio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matteum. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foremen, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. Verbum Domini Today we celebrate the memorial of Pope St. Pius X, and the Austrian historian Baron von Pastor wrote the following about the saint. He says, he was one of those chosen few men whose personality is irresistible. Everyone was moved by his simplicity and his angelic kindness. Yet it was something more that carried him into all hearts. And that something is best defined by saying that all who were ever admitted to his presence had a deep conviction of being face to face with a saint. And the more one knows about him, the stronger this conviction becomes. And these words were actually written about 30 years before he was actually canonized a saint. So he was already known for his sanctity even before, obviously, his canonization. St. Pius X was a man who clearly loved those under his care. As a priest in Salzano, Italy, in the late 19th century, 
He worked hard to restore the local church that was there and to expand the local hospital, to which he contributed from his own wealth and from his own begging for funds. And as Pope in the early 20th century, he was a man of peace who took actions to smooth out relations between the church and the state of Italy since the loss of the papal states under his predecessor, Pope Pius IX, over 30 years prior to his reign as Pope. Yet Pius X is perhaps best known for his reforms to the liturgy, particularly in regards to Holy Communion, and also for combating against a serious error that he deemed the synthesis of all heresies, and that is modernism. In regards to Holy Communion, he issued several decrees, including a call for daily reception of Holy Communion when possible. And the, the common practice since the Middle Ages had been that people received communion much more sporadically. You know, it's not like what we see today with everybody coming up to receive communion. Not to say that that's a bad thing, but it just wasn't the, 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 the practice, the common practice back then. You know, daily communion was actually looked upon as being extraordinary and perhaps even improper in some cases. Now, we might benefit from knowing that because we, we tend to take it for granted nowadays that we receive communion on a daily basis. And so we should, we should reflect upon that as a way of increasing our appreciation for what we receive on a daily basis thanks to St. Pius X. But he also lowered the age that children were allowed to receive communion from the age of 12 to the age of seven, the age of reason. And he also facilitated the communion of the sick to make it more easy, more easily. And other reforms included encouraging more regular reading of scripture and issuing a, an instruction on church music. Now, in regards to the errors of modernism, which unfortunately still affect the church and the society to this day, he issued a syllabus of errors entitled Lamentabile Sane, which listed condemned modernist propositions. And if you read through this document, you might be surprised at some of the propositions that are condemned in there. It may even be some things that we actually think ourselves. And so I would highly recommend reading that document. But he also wrote an encyclical warning against the false teachings of modernism entitled Pascendi Dominici Gregis. And he also composed an oath against modernism. He took it so seriously that he had every clergyman, every professor, and every religious superior recite it. They had to recite this oath of modernism upon ordination or upon taking on a particular job, an ecclesiastical job, like a professor. Now this oath was rescinded in 1967 and was replaced by the oath of fidelity. Now that is required in its place. Now at the time of Pope St. Pius X, there were even a number of clergy who had bought into the errors of modernism 
and it was seeping into the culture. You know, it was becoming very pervasive in society, this, this notion of modernism. And it, it even affected a number of institutions of learning, including Catholic institutions. Now, it may not have been an, as obvious back then, but it's pretty obvious now, the effects of modernism. And the basic tenet of modernism is that there is a fundamental rupture with the things of the past. And then all of a sudden, at some point in history, we decided that we knew better than our forebears. For whatever reason. And many people latched on to the notion that we modern people are, are more mature and we're better informed than our forebears. You know, one can immediately see an undercurrent of pride and arrogance in this notion. It's basically like saying, the, the child saying to their parents that I know better than you. It's like Adam and Eve saying to God, I know better than you. There is a tendency to discredit anything that was taught or believed in the past, including religious belief and practice, namely belief in God. So that's, that's the gist of it. It's, it's basically this attempt to separate man from God and to exalt man over God. And the modernists in the church view religion and faith not as one's assent to objective truth, you know, something that is actually revealed to us by God and given to us through the apostles, through the traditional perennial teaching of the church, that's handed down to us so that we, we accept it. It's not a truth that we make up for ourselves, but we accept what the truth that is outside of us about God and about Jesus Christ. But what they believed, or what they believe, is that it's an ascent to one's own subjective feeling of the divine. It became the subjective, the, the person it themselves that became the arbiter of truth. And hence, modernism relegates religious expression to the arena of, the, of pure subjectivism. You know, even Pope Benedict XVI talked about a tyranny of relativism. And if this is the case, that religion is merely one's subjective experience of the divine, then any and all religions are fair game. You know, how could you say that one religion is better than another? If this is the case, you know, th th then they're all equally valid and they're all equally true because it's just based on one's subjective experience. And so one can see how this modernist notion leads to the error of what we call syncretism, which views all religions as valid, as all, all religions as equal. Now, for those of us who are Catholic and who truly believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, that should immediately raise a red flag because we know that there is only one true faith. There is only one true religion, and that's found in the Catholic church. There's only one means of salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. And there is no other means of salvation. There is no other way that people can be saved 
So that means that if anyone willingly and knowingly rejects Jesus Christ, no matter how nice or how good that person might seem on the outside, they cannot be saved. We cannot reject Jesus Christ and be saved at the same time. It doesn't matter how good we are. So we have to make sure that we're clear about this. You know, there, and there, there are good people you know, of, of different faiths and maybe they don't fully understand or they, they don't fully know about Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to preach Jesus Christ to them and to try to help them into the faith, into the church. But we don't affirm them in false beliefs. So modernism has also been detrimental to the scriptures which are viewed by the modernists as ancient writings to be analyzed and criticized rather than the unchanging, unerring word of God. So they do not look at the scriptures as something that we give the assent of faith to, but rather we analyze them much that we would do the ancient mythologies, you know, of the, of the, of the pagans. And so Pius X condemned all of these modernist notions that we continue to see to this day. So if you want to see any of the notions today that have been condemned, just go to the writings of Pius X. You'll see. And finally, Pius X was known to perform some miraculous healings during his lifetime. There was a man at a public audience who approached the Pope and he pointed to his paralyzed arm. And the Pope smiled as he stroked his arm gently, saying, yes, yes, yes. And the man was healed. And he also healed an 11-year-old girl who was paralyzed. He was also known to have healed, upon her request, a nun who suffered from tuberculosis. So these are some of the signs of sanctity of this man. He was clearly a very holy man who had a deep love for Jesus Christ and for the universal church. And he could see the errors, he could see the dangers that were threatening the church even at that time. And so we pray for his intercession, most especially in this time of widespread doctrinal and moral confusion, that not only we may continue to adhere to the perennial teaching of the church, regardless of even if priests and bishops are going astray, that we may still remain firm in the knowledge of the perennial teaching of the church, which has been handed down to us from Jesus Christ and the apostles. But we also pray that souls might continue to be saved and brought into the one Catholic church, even in the midst of this confusion.